A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. everyone it's andy richter and you are listening to the three questions and i am uh talking today to an actress that everyone knows has known for years she's been doing this since she was a baby practically uh i'm talking to julia styles how are you hi good now yes i'm very good 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 i'm glad thank you for i it's been a rush of a morning for you i know that so Oh yeah. Yeah. And also I find that the, yes, I've been, I'm, but I'm present here now. I can focus on. I understand. I understand. But you can talk about it. I'm I'm not. Oh yeah. No, I was. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. No, it's always, it's, I feel like everybody's familiar with that. Um, You have your home recording studio set up and ready to go, but every time you think that I would get it together to have everything set up and just leave it there. But instead it seems like every time I'm scrambling to, and also like, um, uh, you know, distractions from home. Yeah, Welcome yeah. Distractions from home. Yes, yes. Well, do you? Uh, I mean, throughout COVID, did you have to do a lot of Zoom things? Uh, yeah, I did. Well, then also, so my I don't know how my computer broke, uh, and I just haven't gotten around to getting it fixed. So I do everything on my phone now. <laughs> I mean, I know I did go around get around to getting it fixed, and then they told me they couldn't fix it, and I just haven't. I've somehow been surviving without it. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like weirdly, like digging my heels in and not buying a new one. I don't right, know. Right, right. So, well, are you are you out? Uh, are you doing some of a publicity tour right now? Not a tour, but a few days of press. Yeah, yeah. I was press. at Sirius XM this morning. Tomorrow, I'm going on live with Kelly and Ryan, and then another junket day. And the junkets were so. By the time Wednesday rolls around, I'll have it figured out. But the junkets all. Virtual. Oh, it's all at home. Mm-hmm. Well, that's at least. I find being at home is is more challenging. I think a lot of people know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And well, can you like have your, you know, because like, well, I mean, I, I, my kids are older. My kids are 16 and 21. And all I do is I just take the dog to daycare. So there's no barking, but I don't have little <laughs> ones because you have two right. kids, right? I have two kids. Uh, the youngest is um, six months old. So, oh my god! And I have like I'm in the I'm in the phase where I have like bionic hearing, where even if he's way 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 in another room, I can or downstairs, I can still hear the need for mommy. Yes, you know? yes, yes, <laughs> yes, and feel the you know like the the I feel the pull. The yeah, the pull in your organs. Yeah, 
uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) did head to him. How old's the oldest one? Four and a half. Four and a half. Wow. Yeah, that's you're in the thick of it. I'm in the thick of it. Yeah, yeah. Pretty great. I'm just, I just am hoping that I can carry on a grown up conversation with you. So apologies in advance if I can't. We could talk uh, child stuff too. I, uh, you know, that's fine with me. I don't, you know, I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, the only thing is, is that there is such a huge dividing line once you have kids, where you're like, yeah, I can talk diapers. I can talk, you know, just the struggle of dealing with a little creature that's constantly in danger that can't speak yet. You know, mm-hmm. like all of that kind of thing. Uh, and I also, I'm. I, my girlfriend has a two and a half year old. She's a single mom. Oh, Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it is, it's, it's like I said, my, my kids are 16 and, and 21 and having a two and a half year old is like, like, oh yeah, right. I remember this. I remember being infuriated by a little willful creature that <laughs> that that won't express themselves in words so you don't know what they want and all they do is just do what they want and you know and you just you know i just going back to remembering like spending so much of your time going get in the car just get in the car <laughs> just do what i'm asking you to yeah. do or just and then on the other end get out of the car just get out of the car like it's just <laughs> I know. everything's a negotiation and everything's everything's tough and so my my oldest is a amazing negotiator and the thing is that i know exactly what you're talking about it can be really frustrating because you are like please just do this thing that i'm asking you to do and then they won't do it and then the minute they do it they won't undo it but, but yeah the thing is the thing that i struggle with is that like it's actually a really good character trait. Like it will serve him really, yes. really well in life to yes. be such a good negotiator. It's just exhausting sometimes. My daughter, especially, I always felt because this, she from, I think, I mean, she did this for like two years, literally every morning would say, can I have ice cream? Like she'd want ice cream for breakfast uh, and, and she wouldn't, what? she would not give it up every morning. My ex-wife or I no, no, you know, you can't. And, and, and then, and there was also, and I mean, negotiations are closed was a phrase that I started using when she was like four, (laughs) no more negotiations. We're done. And, and I always felt like this will serve her well. She's already advocating for herself very well. And I was especially aware of that. Just like as a female, it's a different world. Like my son, I don't, you know. Boys get to do you what know, boys want to do. That's just sort of the right. way it usually works. Um, did you ever give her ice cream for breakfast? No. Please tell me you did. I n- <sighs> We never did. We never did. Uh, well, you know, I'm sure, <clears throat> not that I can remember, but uh, no, but, you know, she probably got it by 10 a.m. You know, right. I mean, I maybe know. not at <laughs> seven, <laughs> but, you know, within a few hours, she probably got just it. Just to make you still feel like you were winning the argument. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, that's half of it is just... You know, and when you sort of realize too, no, they need to know I'm in charge too. It's the best thing for boundaries, them. and they like to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, started using this phrase along the lines of like negotiations are closed. I would say I would just like, oh, yeah, I don't want to argue. That's okay. Like, like lighten it up. Like I don't. Let's not argue about it. Let's just not argue about it. And my son put on the Mother's Day card that they make at school. I love my mommy because we don't argue that much. 
<laughs> well, that's something. Which required a little explanation when I had to show it to people. <laughs> I love my mommy because we don't argue that much. Yeah, it makes yeah. me sound like an abusive. Yeah, yeah. Makes me sound like an abusive yeah. parent. She pretty much leaves me alone. She's very hands off. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's the best. Now, how do you? Uh, one thing I want to, because your 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 husband works in the film industry too, yeah. He does. He's a camera assistant. And I, I've always wondered, per, I mean, because you're in production, you're just in a you know a area of production where you get your own room, uh, <laughs> you get your <laughs> yeah. own toilet. That's all you know. Uh, you're oh yeah. The cushy end of production. But you both, you know, when you go make something, you got to go make something and you got to go somewhere else. And it's it's like working on an oil rig. And I and I wonder how you guys pull that off. And before you had kids, how did you. Did you have a plan on how to pull that off or did you just kind of wing it and go into it? Oh, we're winging it currently in the present tense. Um, Yeah, I mean, it is crazy because neither of us up until this point really work where we live. Like, oh, that's not true. We lived in we lived in Canada for a while and my husband was working out out of there a lot. But um, but I was usually then the one to be the full time parent. But now uh, we live in New York. And as we speak, like out of the with with like a couple days notice my husband's getting on a plane to go start a movie that's not in this country and um and what we do is we call my parents and we oh, say really? help they say like emergency um but it's something that we have to figure out we talk about it all the time because especially now we have one kid in school and that becomes a thing and you just yeah i mean you just do, we just try and do the best that we can yeah um, but it is a lot of uh, it's like spinning plates, making plans, and planning for childcare, and yeah, um, yeah. It's also too. I, I mean, I you know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you never, you can't make a schedule. I, I mean, I learned that from because I worked in film production when I, I went to film school. Worked in film production before I even really started performing, and somebody that I worked with who did it right, and this was in Chicago, mostly on commercials and industrial films and things like that somebody that was a grown-up in that business told me like just get used to the fact that like budgeting is not really something you can do because you can't rely on uh, you don't know you know like you'll have a month go by where you don't do anything and then you'll have three months go by where you're constantly busy and you just it's really hard to judge and i and i'm sure that you know, scheduling wise, it becomes that same thing. It's like, I got this job. I got to take this job. So maybe you don't take job for a couple of months kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely have those conversations. I think, um, one thing that I learned before kids, I learned from a very young age to save my money because of that, like knowing that as a working actor, as a working actor, you know, so on the one hand, it's like, I'm not cheap, but I'm, I can be very frugal. So like I, I learned, you know, that acting being a working actor, you never know where your next job's going to be. So you've got to have a piggy bank, like, ready for those dry spells. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, has ended up working out well. For yeah, me. yeah. Because, especially now, I, uh, where the, the kids are the kind of the priority, then I, then I can say, like, no, I need to turn this job down because I need to be around. Right. And you grew up in, in New York, right? In, in Manhattan? I did. 
Yeah. I grew up in Manhattan. I grew up in Soho, which on Green and Grand Street, um, like kind of between Soho and Tribeca, Chinatown. But it was very different when I was growing up there. Yeah. So no, I, yeah. No, I know. I was, I, yeah. you know, I lived there. I'm sure you hung out there. I mean, I yeah. lived there in the 90s. And yeah, and it's, it's, it's really shocking the difference yeah. there is now down there now. Um, but so that, well, that was the, you know, that's not a very kid friendly atmosphere or it wouldn't, I mean, as someone like me who grew up in the Midwest, it would seem to not be. Right. I know. Well, I, I never in a million years, I always, I would always say to my parents, like, how did you raise kids in the city? That's insane. It was all I knew. So I loved it. But then they would be like, oh, are you kidding me? It's the best. And now I find, I find that to be true. I think it doesn't, New York City is the craziest city and it doesn't make any sense why anyone would want to live here. Um, it's dirty. It's crowded. It's really expensive. Um, but there's something about the energy of it that totally feeds me. And I find that, um, yeah, it's great for kids. I mean, it's yeah. bizarre, but they they get a really unique perspective on life. And are you and, in the city uh, now? Do you, do you live in the city now? I yeah, I live in New York. Yeah, and and yeah, yeah, in the actual city. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I live in Brooklyn, but oh yeah, but still. But that, yeah. but by the way, Brooklyn is part of the city. People always call the city they, when they say the city, they mean Manhattan. But actually, it's five boroughs. And Brooklyn I is part I, of that. <laughs> I know that too. Although Staten Island, I mean, if you live in Staten Island, it's kind of that's tough maybe to an annex. You live in New that's York City, you know. Right, right. Uh, but um, no, no, I know that. But I mean, I just didn't know if you maybe were in the suburbs or you know, because you know, you hear somebody's got kids that usually aren't like, oh yes, I'm. R- I'm right downtown, right in the thick of right, things. Right, 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 right. With my six-month-old yeah. getting, because, I, yeah, our first kid, we were we were in New York City. We moved out here when he was about a month old, or a, a year old, I mean. And um, so I, we, I had the experience of hauling a stroller up and down subway steps and just feeling like, oh, I don't know. I, I I mean, Am my I life though, was arranged like, in such a way that it, it we ended up moving pretty quickly. But I was like, right. oh man, this is this is rough. Uh, it well, yes, they should install working elevators in the subways. Yes, uh, in every subway station, and apparently they're going to do it by twenty fifty five when I'll probably be dead. But um, <laughs> but the you know what's weird? Am I crazy? I maybe I've just drank the Kool Aid too long, but. I've had that experience too. And, you know, I always marvel that usually 99.9% of the time somebody will offer to help me lift the stroller up or down. That the is true. That and is then you got to be careful, like, who is this person? But at the same yeah. time, it's, you know, New Yorkers do really have a way of reaching out and helping helping each other out for the most yeah, part, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I always found And I'm too, talking even when I have a mask on. It's not like they recognize me. Or no, I know. With friends I know. of mine who Yeah, are, yeah. And also, if they recognize you, they probably... Say something else. Um, oh, yeah. Or I've I been mean, with friends where the same thing has happened. And yeah. Yeah. And I always find recognition in Manhattan is is much uh it's a very low key, almost blase kind of recognition. Like, oh yeah, it's you. Yep. Hi. <laughs> you know, it's right, not like right. out somewhere else where they're not used to seeing people that they recognize. It's one thing falling in love with a house. Picturing yourself moving in and calling it home. And quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. 
Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? So you were at, growing up down there. You ended up performing and you're not like... I know your your mom's an artist. Is she a performing artist or is she a visual? No, artist? visual artist. She she makes she's a visual artist. She makes ceramics. Um, uh, yeah, and actually, I don't. Um, just quickly, I I think a long time ago, she made one of the mugs that was on Conan. Like that was one of the de- the mugs she, that was on his re- desk. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, he had. Um, <clears throat> because he had uh well he had a, a series of them and i and one was a present from uh Greg Daniels who is his writing partner who went on to create the american version of the office among other many other different shows but he gave conan a i think he got it at like one of those greenware you know color me mine kind of ceramics right, places right. where he painted it himself and it had like a cartoony caricature of Conan. And I think he wanted to preserve that. So they made facsimiles they of it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case, you know, cause you, yeah. know, you never know when something's going to get smashed. Um, but yeah, that's great. That's, you know, it's a, it's a small world, especially in Manhattan with stuff like that. Um, well, how did you end up? Like, did were you the one that said, like, I want to act, I want to start performing, or did, you know, because I know you started yeah. at La Mama, and I know people back in New York that David Sedaris used to do stuff at La Mama and Amy Sedaris, and, uh, and, and so did, were you like in a kid's class there, or was it something that really started to hit you that I, you really wanted to do? I was really, I, I was really outgoing and into, you know, theater and dance and uh my parents had friends who were ran this theater company it was a very like fringe avant-garde off-broadway theater company and they would do shows at la mama they would do it shows at a theater called one dream that's that was on north moore street but is not there anymore and uh i think they were all out to dinner one night and i was with them and they they were like we need a kid in one of our sh- on our next show you want to do it and of course, then I loved, I loved it. And I loved, I got hooked. I mean, I was like, I loved being around these adults and the, the, their sort of energy. And it was always an after school, I, after school, I'd go to the rehearsals and I didn't have any speaking roles until, you know, a couple shows later, but eventually I sort of, as, as a, I was, I was 12 for the, when I did the, my first show. And then every year I would have some part in whatever they were doing. 
Um, and they were really wacky, interesting plays where, not very traditional, where like they'd have a scrim, which is sort of a screen that's transparent, that they'd project images on, and the actors would stand behind those the screen so they could create kind of any... It was actually... Um, the set designer was like a painter, too, so she'd often project these paintings. And then one play that we did... Um, they pre-recorded all the dialogue, so we would lip-sync our dialogue because there would be five actresses playing the same part, and we'd all move in sync with each other and speak in sync with each other. Like, it was wow. very imaginative. Um, yeah, yeah. And not not traditional. Anyway, I loved it. And then they helped me find an agent um, who sent me on auditions as a teenager for movies and TV, and that's when I was like, I really want to do this. Of course, at that age, you're not really thinking what a career looks like. You just want to... You just want to pursue it. Um, right. And But then by the time I was a senior in high school, I got sent to Los Angeles to screen test for a movie called 10 Things I Hate About You. And yeah. Heath Ledger. And they hired me. And that was the thing that sort of changed everything for me. Yeah. Or that was the thing that really, like, got me more work. Yeah. And that was, and that was, uh, that, that movie's based on Taming of the Shrew. And then mm-hmm. you did a. Had you done Shakespeare before you started doing Shakespeare in movies? Because then you did, didn't you do three Shakespeare well, sort of? Yeah, but I mean, Ten Things I Hate About You was kind of just the plot of Taming of the Shrew. Right, it wasn't right. like you needed to be. Right, no, I mean, but I then, haven't but seen it did, in a while, but I, I mean, I, you know. <laughs> I didn't need to know iambic pentameter, but I, <laughs> but I, uh, then I did, then I did um, uh, an adaptation of. Hamlet that Ethan mm-hmm. Hawke started, and that was that actually used verse, even though it was modern day. Um, so that required a little bit more work. And then another movie called Oh that was based on Othello, but again, it was like teenagers and it was just the plot, yeah, of Othello, yeah, yeah. Now, were you, I mean, because these are sort of you know, these are like very teen romancy kind of movies and, you know, you know, rom com kind of movies. And was that like, is that kind of like, were you okay with doing that kind of work or did you have like higher, you know, were you really sort of like, like, you know, in those early days, because I guess you're a teen, uh, so they're gonna they're gonna put you in movies with young I, people. I, that's what I was like eligible to play. But I, 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 ten things I hate about you. I wanted that part really badly, and it was not only because when you first start out auditioning as an actor, you just want to get hired. But I look back at that summer, or leading up to it, and there were a lot. Of, I was getting close to on a lot of auditions for uh, other really popular movies that ended up coming out at the same time, similar teen movies, and. I was so lucky that 10 Things... And it made so much sense that 10 Things I Hate About You was the one that I actually got cast in, even though I was disappointed about the other ones at the time. Yeah. Um, because... But I also just... I, I just... It jumped out at me. Like, I was auditioning as a 17-year-old and always getting, you know, for commercials and things, and they'd always be like, you, can you just be a little more bubbly? Can you just be a little more, like, oh, lighten up? Yeah. You're so serious, yeah, yeah. blah, blah, And then when I read 10 Things I Hate About You, it was the first time that I had seen this female character who was really feisty and opinionated and didn't didn't hold back and uh it spoke to me and so that's why so I was really happy to be cast in it and then um you know now looking back it makes sense yeah how were your folks um at all did they have any sort of like trepidation about sending their 17 year old daughter into the maw of the beast they were very protective but they also were very supportive 
um, yeah. and still are, you know, they like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But they, they, yeah, they, I mean, they were protective for the obvious reasons of like, I was a minor and then also, but they, but they, they saw how much I loved this and, you know, bent over backwards to kind of help me yeah. pursue it. Did you, when you were still 17 for that first movie, did somebody have to come, did they came with you and stayed with yeah. you? Yeah, 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 my parents uh, would switch off. Um, it was the summertime, so we didn't have to worry about school. Um, and there were other other actors in the movie were also still under 18, so sometimes they would, like, rotate. I'm trying to remember what they did. No, it was like they alternated. It was like uh, my mom or dad would take turns. Yeah. And when you got to be 18, were you on your own, or did they sort of continue to sort of... No, then I, so then I graduated high school. I took a year off before I was going to, I knew I was going to start college. I lived at home, uh, worked mostly. I, I started working a lot that year and I, but I think I remember it was mostly in New York and then started college and was living in the dorms and. Where was college? Columbia. Columbia. Yeah. Um, and then would, Columbia allowed me to sometimes take time off to work. I, uh, so I, so I, I mostly worked during the summertime, but I, so occasionally a job would come up and I'd lose all my credits and have to start over, but I could at least keep my place in the school. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet that was expensive. Just thinking as a parent with a kid in college. It was, but you know, what was funny is that it was expensive. Um, uh, what was funny is that I remember sitting in my freshman dorm room, reading the sides for the born identity and going like, I can't go and do this. I have finals coming up. And thank God I, nobody listened to me. <laughs> and I actually ended up doing the movie and, yeah, yeah. Um, and then subsequent movies after that. Wow. I didn't realize that that was that, that your involvement in the born movie spread over that much time. Uh, yeah, my whole adult life, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, point, up until recently, what is uh, what is there in between them? Usually four or five years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I was nineteen when we made the first one, and then I was thirty something when the last one. The last one. Uh, wow. Where I got offed in the last one. Uh, <laughs> you can hear my son crying, can't you? I can. Yeah, hear him, I can. I can. Just, and I'm it's resisting the urge to micromanage too. Give him a bottle. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he heard you talking about your your character's death and was upset by right. that. Yeah. Spoiler alert, by the way, folks. Uh, you don't make it to the next Bourne movie. Although, you know, it seems like they're going to just keep cranking those out regardless of who Jason Bourne is. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, those must, I mean, what's fun, were you, did you get to go to all the locations, like all those European vo- locations? Uh, oh, amazing to, places. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Czech Republic, Morocco was a longer one. Um, they always would work out of a sound studio in London, so uh, Pinewood Studios. So there was a lot of time in the UK. And then where else did we go? The, the Canary Islands, Tenerife, um, Berlin. Oh, spent a long time in Berlin. Dead of yeah. winter in Berlin. Wow. Not such great. I mean, yeah. Yeah, dead of winter in Berlin. Yeah, yeah. But I did a lot of sightseeing. <laughs> A lot of what? Sightseeing. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they would always do this thing where they 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 they'd have you there for a certain amount of time, but the the way that Paul Greengrass works is like 
the schedule would always be changing. So they'd hold you and they'd say like, you're going to work tomorrow. And then they'd call you and they'd be like, you're not working today. You're going to work again tomorrow. So you end up, ha- you're, you're there for three or more months and then end up having a lot of random time off too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Are you good about filling your own time? Like, are you, are you a self-directed kind of person that can, that can do that or. I used to be terrible at it. I used to, really not know what to do with myself in between jobs. Now I, what is time? I have two little children. I, right, like, right. I don't, if I have two minutes to myself, I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. But uh, I mean, well, is it just kids that did that for you? Like that gave you the idea, uh, you know, that gave you the ability to kind of. They gave, uh, maybe, maybe more of a focus. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Well, as, as yeah. the movies evolved, uh, did you, were you always in New York? Did you always stay in New York? Or have you ever lived out here for any, any amount of time? Never lived in L.A. other than for work. Um, yeah. I think the longest I spent in L.A. was like uh, six months doing, I did a season of Dexter. But then, uh, oh, but then there was a time where, where every January I'd come to L.A. for like a g- good month. I would I would do a swap with somebody because I didn't want to be in New York in the dead of winter. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I always lived in New yeah, York. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, always lived in New York. And then my husband's Canadian, so we spent a bit of time when we first got together. Um, I was in Canada a lot with him. Yeah. But but New York is New York has pulled me back. Is that is that just because you're from there and your folks are there? I mean, you know, or do you I mean, do you dislike LA or I've at times that I've spent in LA, I've found things that I really like about it, and then I and I can kind of get into the 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 day to day life there. I have lots of really good friends who live in LA. Um, I think you have to pick your neighborhood wisely. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I just am, I at least right now, there's just something about New York that I'm hooked on, and I think it's partially like you can just. I never had a hobby growing up because, or like I remember early on in my career doing press and people would, they would always, for some reason, along the lines of like, who are you wearing? They'd always ask like, what do you do in your spare, do you have any hobbies? What do you do in your spare time? And I never had an answer because in New York, you you literally just walk out your door, you just go for a walk and something's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to see something interesting. You're going to be surprised. Um, So that's, I don't know. That's something that I really like. And I also really like just being able to, to walk and go get a cup of coffee. I've never owned a car. Really? And I'm kind of try- never owned a car. Wow. And I'm kind of trying to make that a point to see how long I can keep that up. Can you drive? I can drive. Yeah. How did you ma- how did you learn to drive without ever owning a car? In Los Angeles, I was working on a movie in LA at like 22 and didn't have a license and eventually I was like I can't. I need I need to be able to get around on my own. So yeah. I I uh, one of the Teamsters taught me how to drive, and I got my license there. And then I was probably a terrible driver for many years, like most New Yorkers, <laughs> because you're not really driving that much. But I think eventually I – now I would like to think I'm a good driver. My husband would probably disagree. <laughs> uh, well, does he, do, you you still don't have a car? Like, does your husband have a car? Or, wow. He did when we were in Canada, and I would borrow it all the time. So it's not really fair for me to say that I, I never owned a car because I just either borrow people's cars or I rent one if I needed to go – you know, on a trip, but, um, but yeah, not right, right now. We don't have a car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when was there ever any time like where doing this for a living kind of got to you? Like, have you always kind of loved it or was there ever 
Like, have you had moments where you're kind of question, like, is this really what I want to do with myself? I'm projecting because I have had those moments. <laughs> You've had yeah. those moments and yeah, you come yeah. back around to it, right? Oh, and yeah. You, I mean, because what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Is that Sell real estate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I um, bust my butt working for an NGO and getting paid $20,000 a year. I don't think so. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, but I, but I, uh, of sure, all the, t- I, I do think about that a lot. I think I've had, and this, I mean, I thought about that in college when I had friends who were looking into other careers, but nothing was realistic. I think, um, as I get, uh, there, there's, there's, I couldn't see myself working in any other industry, but there are other parts of movie making that I'm interested in. So I'm like working on trying to direct a movie. I've directed a couple of shorts and I enjoyed that and I want to do more of that. Um, I think the thing that I can control more is like who I'm working with. So if I'm going to go and work for a director who's going to treat me like uh, a machine or like, you know, just sort of not want my input or boss me around, that's not as appealing to me as like somebody who's going to be really collaborative. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? And and you've gotten to do both leading roles and character work. And mm-hmm. do you feel? I mean, is there a different? Is it all sort of the same thing? Do you feel? Is there one that you prefer more than the other? And you know, I'm about to go. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble with this next comment. I. I'm about to go uh, do a second season of a TV show that I uh, that you can watch on Amazon now called uh, Amazon Prime called The Lake. Yeah, and it's a comedy. I saw going I saw an episode of it. Yeah, you saw an episode. Of it. Okay. Yeah, that's it. You don't have a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Uh, oh, I, no, I thought it was, I thought it was, you I thought it was really, one episode. You uh, no, I the thought it thing. was, thanks a lot. <laughs> I thought it was really cute. Uh, you know, I thought it was really fun and funny and, uh, and it's, Rom-commy stuff is not my cup of tea. If nobody's get getting get murdered, okay. you know, if nobody's getting murdered or there's not, you know, car chases. I, I mean, I'm, like, not a, I'm not you, a complete oh, okay, idiot. Okay, so you're not but, much of a com- you you don't even you don't do you like dark comedies? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, but my point in saying that was um it's an ensemble. So not having to carry the whole load of the show is actually at this point in my life like really refreshing. It's fun. I come to work, I do my thing, and I get out of there. And uh I've been the lead on shows before or a show, and it's a big responsibility. And yeah. and if it's bad, it falls on your shoulders. So I I did a a, a show uh a British show called Riviera that 
I was the lead of and I was in every scene and every day and I felt a huge sense of responsibility that it ought, that it'd be really good and um it was great but it's a different kind of it's a different kind of work than uh and it's a different kind of investment than if you're yeah, showing yeah. up and hitting your mark and messing around and then going home. Yeah, yeah. I definitely felt like one of, I feel like one of my superpowers is being able to tell when something's Canadian. And that was with the lake. I was like immediately like, this is for, this is Canadian. Like, I don't know. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but just, and then they, they actually, you know, within they joke the, about that. Yeah. They say like, you know, this is the Canadian version of whatever, you know, so there it is like, and so I imagine, yeah. was it for the CBC initially or was no, it for uh, Amazon? And No, it's always been for Amazon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Um, I know what you mean, though the showrunner, the creator, it's basically his life story and he's Canadian. So I, I'm sure you can't help but get some of that humor in there. Oh, wow. So he actually does have a daughter and on all of that. And he gave he he got a girl pregnant in theater school. He's gay. He got a girl pregnant in theater school. His best friend. They gave the baby up for adoption, but it was an open adoption. I think he's maintained a relationship with her. Anyway, the show is you saw it, but it's uh, it's him trying to rekindle this relationship with the the birth daughter and he brings her to the cottage country that he spent his summers in as a kid but i'm his uh sort of wicked stepsister who he is in a in a you know childlike uh battle with to take over the family cottage and they um yeah they're fighting over who's going to inherit it right and it gets right. to be very um, isn't is it better being wicked than it is being good? Like, is it more? Fun? I love playing this part so much. She because she is so just so annoying. I mean, she's like every aspect of her personality or character traits that you hope we socialize out of people. Like she's <laughs> and but with her, she's just like unabashedly passive aggressive, selfish, competitive, manipulative. Um, you know, a mother who only conditionally loves her children. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's really fun because also she, my favorite scenes are the ones where she's just having it when things don't go her way. She has a complete temper tantrum yeah. and the temper tantrum is like, it gives toddlers a bad name. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, now w would you be disappointed if you were never number one on the call sheet again? Like if you played character roles for the rest of your life? I don't, I don't think that would bother me. I mean, yeah. I don't want to, um, Jinx it. I, I really I, you know, still well, hire no, her I mean, for starring roles. Be, people, I don't, don't want to be like unambit. I don't want to be unambitious. Um, yeah. Uh, but my, I don't know. I, might, I also can't think that far ahead. But I'm glad to just still be working. My God, when I first started acting, I like women who turned forty. It was like your career was done. And now I feel like yeah, um, it's very different, and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I always feel like. I mean, I just feel. Like, I feel that it sucks that you have to be grateful for that. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just way. It's Thank just the you way so much for not throwing me to, to out to pasture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think, I think, I don't really think so much of like, am I going to be number one on the call sheet? I, um, what would be a wonderful sort of, uh, moment for me is to see my name on the call sheet as a director. Um, yeah, yeah. Other than that, I think I give, I have so much, I give so much credit to, day players and people who come into a film set like just for the day to do one scene or just for a week to do a couple scenes and like a bit part because you're coming into this beehive that's already 
buzzing and and you just kind of have to like go with it you don't have any nobody has the patience for you to like be nervous and get over your little jitters you have to just kind of jump on the roller coaster um i think that's a really hard job what is it about being a director that you really you you know you really sort of why do you want to do it because it is it's a lot more it's a lot more work a lot more work Listen, I also feel, I, I feel, I've directed a few shorts. I feel like a little bit weird talking about it because I haven't actually directed a feature yet, but I'm working on it. And uh, why do I want to? Because, you know, the, when, you, when you have this idea in your head that then comes to life, um, that's pretty awesome. I think there's a part of my brain that I've been on film sets enough and seen what directors do. And, like, there's a part of me that... Um, it clicked where I go like, oh, part of the skill of being a director is not just the creative, the creative part of it. It's the managing of people, managing a set, managing time, managing money. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, there's that kind of logical part of my brain is it, it, it thinks that, that that I could do that and that would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, you're in the driver's seat. I mean, so right. much of being an actress, you and this is the part where I when this is the part where I start to think like, would, would I do something else? So much of being an actor is just. Um, other people telling you what to do. Yeah. I was going to say, doing as you're told. Doing as you're told. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I, I love my job so much. I am so grateful for all the things that it uh, has afforded me. Don't get me wrong, but there is a part of me as a grown up now where it's like being told to wait, being told to show up, being told to go, being told to stop, being told faster, slower, go again, is like, um, requires a lot of patience. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then the flip side of that is that you're also like, hopefully really jazzed about what you're doing. So like the lake, I go to, I go to the lake and I want more takes just because I want to mess around. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. when, that's when it's fun, but you know, it, it's not always. If, yeah, it varies from set to set because some sets aren't that fun, which I'm always, I'm COVID always... has COVID has changed things. I don't know if you have experienced this, but I haven't done I haven't done a lot of like long term acting. I've just done done like guest bit parts, you know, pre you know, during and, and past COVID. So I haven't like I haven't gone, you know, a month somewhere and been on a set COVID wise, you know, so I don't know exactly. I just have these like sort of day player things. COVID has, it used to be one of the great things about working on a set is the camaraderie and, you know, shooting the shit with people and talking and the thing that would pass the time in between setups when they're moving the camera around is you're chatting with people. Now everything's so regulated and maybe it'll go back, maybe it'll change and lighten up a little bit, but for safety reasons, you know, we all wanted to go back to work. So you have to keep the safety protocol strict enough so that people aren't getting sick. But um, it means that, you know, aside from being masked, all the departments are separated. Yeah. So like the actors are only allowed to hang out with the actors and, yep. um, and it just takes a bit of the socializing out of it. And I, I find the days are longer as a result, but mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. I, I, I had a recurring role on a, on a series and the, one of the executive producer directors had, been an executive producer and director on one of the series that I did that I was number one on the call sheet for. And I was standing by the video village talking to him and somebody I had, I hadn't even met before came up and said, you can't 
talk to him. You can't be here, which was just so, you know, like, and we were masked and everything, but it's just like, you can't talk to him. Like, okay. It's so strange. It feels like so, so I don't know, grade school in many ways, but I, you know, I get it. I can't, I can't, I'm not going to, you know, stand on a street corner and rave about it. It's like, no, it's, it's an illness and you know, you got to do what you got to do to, to get, have you ever had, have you had it by the way? Have you had COVID at all? Or I did. I got it over Christmas this year. Yeah. And luckily, well, um, have you had it? I did. I just had it a, a few weeks ago. For the first oh. time, I really thought I was going to, you know, and I've had every shot and because I'm over 50, I even had, you know, I got the second booster and I was really careful. And what happened is I, I had a, a job in Dublin and I went with my girlfriend and I just got, it seemed like nobody was wearing masks there and I just got lazy and I didn't wear my mask yeah. very much. But it was also, it's that new variant and it seems like everybody is getting, like it's the new latest craze. Everyone's getting COVID <laughs> these days, you know, the right, COVID that won't right. kill you, but that makes you have to stay home for 10 days, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah no, I got it in, uh, over Christmas and, uh, I was pregnant. So I, oh, and I just gotten my booster. So I thought it for the longest time, I thought it was, um, just after me, I thought effects. it was, uh, like, like side effects of the booster. And then after, you know, four days or something, I was like, God, I feel awful. And, and got tested and I had it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, you power through it, but I mean it's just it still is a drag, you know, and I mean I again I'm back to being a devout mask wearer as much as I can. Um mm-hmm. so speaking of can we talk a little bit more about motherhood? I know I mean sometimes it always feels like prying when you say like, you know, about your intention to be a mother or, you know. But like I is it okay if we and you know Yeah, sure. Yeah. Know. I mean it's my favorite it's my favorite topic of conversation in my private life and then I also feel weird like I, I overthink these things and I'm always like, well, is the, this is part of promoting? But anyway, I, I, I love, yes, we can talk about it. Listen, you, you're, we're promoting the, whatever. We're going to say all yeah. the stuff. You but know, we're so. also chatting. So yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, I mean, were you, did you, had you always, did you always feel like you were going to be a mom? And Yeah, I think that I, um, I always knew that I did. I, I, I never even really questioned it. I always knew that I wanted to have kids. I wasn't really sh- I, I needed to find the right person to sort of trust to do that with. And then, yeah, that's um, helpful. And then if I can be completely honest, I got to be also I had like I was I was like in my, you know, in my 20s and early 30s, I was like going all over the world working on films and I just had this like very independent kind of fun life. And but um, then all of a sudden, I mean, it's such a cliche, but all of a sudden I was like, oh. I'm in my mid thirties. I better figure this out. Um, so I had a very conscious moment where I was like, this is something that I want and I don't want to wait till I'm panicking that it might yeah. be too late. Yeah. Which is yeah. a thing that women deal with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, uh, did you, did it, were there times, did you ever think like, I don't know how I'm going to do this with this life or did you just, or when it hit you that like, you know, the tick-tock of the clock. Uh, well, um... Was it just something you thought, like, oh, I'll get around to it, you know, some days? Or was it just a matter of... Not after a certain point, no. No, not after a certain point, I was, um... Like, after a certain point of being single, I was like, oh, I better find a partner because I do want to have kids. <laughs> um, so I think I was kind of deliberate in that way. But I but I also, um... After, after my... 
first son was born, or he was like probably two years old, I started to think like, I want to have another baby. And uh, at that point, it was a little bit more like, ooh, I better plan this. Um, and I, my, the wheels were spinning in my head of like, how to fit it into work, because I was working on a show. And like, was it gonna? Was it? How's that gonna work? Um, could I would they would they fire me if I got pregnant? Would they? would they write it into the story? And in hindsight, that seems like a really silly thing to think about, but for whatever reason, I was being practical. And then eventually I was just like, um, in the long term of my life, having another child would be way more important to me than whether or not I do more of like uh, some sort of job, you know? Right, right, right. Um, yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, because I, I I was always, I was always struck by when because my ex wife and I were married for seven years before we had kids and we just kind of mm-hmm. you know we just we I think we always thought we were gonna but I definitely felt like there was a time where it was like we were done not not having you know like we were done with being <laughs> childless it was like we were bored kind of with our life bored with and, each other <laughs> yeah well just i mean not so much with each other but just you know living in new york city and going to dinner with friends i mean we found ourselves i think just like sitting home a lot just because it's like you know do you want to go to the upper west side and <laughs> eat at that new restaurant it's kind of like eh, not really you know i know i totally understand that feeling and like i i yeah 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 i remember a little bit there was a there's a time just before i met my husband where i was uh a little bit disillusioned with new york where i felt like socially everybody had this ledger book where it's like oh the, am i going to meet you for pre-dinner drinks or dinner or post you know and people started to get a little bit more flaky or just like schedule you in. They would schedule you into the slot. It felt there was something about it that I, and I found myself doing it. It's like, am I committing to dinner with this person? Or I, or you go to hang out with a friend and they'd be like running to go do something else, you know? So there was a time when I, yeah, I felt when, when I was feeling like, ugh. um, you know what? I'm going to tell a really corny story. I love it. Um, I used to live, this is how we named our son Strummer. I was running around New York City, kind of a singleton. Oh yes, it was before I met my husband. I was, I was single. I had just done a play and we had our, uh, after party for the rap at the end of the run of the play at a bar called Niagara. Mm -hmm. It's right on Tompkins Square Park. Next to that bar is a mural of Joe Strummer. And it says like history... Is uh, is unwritten? Is that it? Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, but yeah. I lived, but I but I lived, I lived in that neighborhood, and I remember this is kind of gross too. Staying out at the rap party, um, I my feet were hurting, so I took my shoes off, and I actually walked barefoot a little bit. It was a little bit late at night, and maybe I had a couple drinks. Yeah, come but, on, yeah, um, you're it's New York City. You're you're a New York City kid. You can walk around barefoot. I have a tetanus shot. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but I walked by that mural of Joe Strummer, and I was like, I just had this thing. I wasn't even a full sentence. It was just a feeling. Um, it was just a feeling of like these days of being kind of alone are about to wind down, and I'm going to have a kid. I'm like, I'm going to have a family. Yeah. 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 When I put it in words, it doesn't make any sense, but it was just a feeling of like, 
the ch- this chapter is going to close soon and it's going to open up a whole other chapter. And uh, anyway, so then met my husband. We had our first son and we named him Strummer because of that mural. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great. What's, what's your daughter's name, if I may ask? Uh, two, I have two boys. Oh, two Strummer boys. I'm sorry. And Arlo. And Arlo. <laughs> Arlo. Very musical yeah. names. Both of them very musical names. Yeah, they'll probably be science teachers or something, but at least <laughs> at least we gave, you know. And and also, you know, Arlo will probably be like, well, how come my brother got the punk rock name and I got the folk singer name? But, you know, we'll see. Or, yeah, or they won't worry about it at all. Well, let's talk about the project you're here to promote. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that thing. thing. Uh, uh, orphan, first kill. Say, say it again. It's called Orphan, first kill, and it's a prequel to the movie Orphan. Okay. And uh, Orphan was a. I thought you like horror movies. Did you say you like horror? Movies? I do. I, I mean, I, I I will watch horror movies. You I find them. now um, I watch. For a while, I didn't like horror movies because um, when it was in that sort of saw, like violency, like whereas yeah, yeah like it, where it's just gratuitous violence, it's like gratuitous tittle, titillating violence. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I wasn't into it, but I. Like my favorite, like I, I'm really am a sucker for, and I haven't seen Orphan, but I have to. There's just one, right? There's just one Orphan so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I have to see it, but I, but I, uh, my favorites are still. I love when horror movies have rules, and you know, like especially like demonic possession ones. Like those are always my favorites because it's like. You do some Catholic shit and the demon goes away, you know, like I don't, I never like the killer, the the, the killer that you can't kill kind of stuff, you know, Uh, usually, but, but yeah, so it's a, it's a prequel to Orphan. Um, So uh, Orphan, the first movie was about this, it was based on a true story um, without, I think, all the murder, but this, this uh, woman had an affliction or like a condition where she never, she never grew. So she could. She looked for all intents and purposes like a little girl. And so the movie is about like this little girl is adopted by a family and she's, it turns out to be a, a sociopath. Um, and the prequel is this same girl uh, before she was adopted. She escapes from a mental asylum and uh, is taken in by this family. Like she sort of poses as their long lost or missing child. Um and terrorizes the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there, I can't say. I, I'm always at a loss for words because one of the thing, things about these movies is they have a really good twist. And this this one, I I has a, an amazing twist, and I it's the reason that I wanted to do the movie. I don't really watch horror movies. I don't like them. I I mean, it's like unless they're really like The Shining or something that's like a classic. Unless they're really well done, I I either am too much of a wimp or I just think like. It's they're manipulative, but um, well, yeah. I was sent the script. <laughs> yeah, they are manipulative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also just don't. I I, I would rather be laughing. You know, there's too yeah. much like gr- craziness in the world and scary things in the world that I'd rather just block that out. But yeah. But anyway, so they sent me the script for this movie, and I got to the twist, and I was like, oh, damn, that's good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sometimes they that's, got, they, that, they got that, me. Yeah. Sometimes those twists are like you know. It was just one recently. I can't think of what it was, but I was like, oh, damn, that's a really good one. But I, I, well, I wouldn't say it now anyway, if I could think of what it was. <laughs> uh, but, um, well, that's cool. So how long, where, where was that at? 
Where did that you shoot? Was, uh, we filmed in Winnipeg, Manitoba, because uh-huh. uh, it was 2020, the, the winter of 2020. And at that point, p- movies were starting to pick back up again, but they were all chasing where COVID numbers were low. So Winnipeg right. had no COVID in the summer. And then, of course, we got there and all of a sudden the city went into like full critical code red shutdown. We almost had to stop shooting because, uh, every, I mean, everything was locked down. Uh, so it was bizarre. Um, but we did it. We finished it. Yeah, yeah. And you got to spend uh, winter in Manitoba. <laughs> yeah. <if you> yeah. <laughs> lucky, lucky you. Well, sort of. I kind of spent winter in either on set or in my apartment that we rented because everything was closed. You yeah, yeah. Literally nothing you were allowed yeah. to do. I got delivery groceries. Uh, it was the beginning of Instacart. And I got delivery groceries the first night that we arrived. I was with my son. And... Uh, I went down to go pick them up, and I see this guy in a mask walking away with my groceries up the stairs. And I was like, uh, excuse me, um, sorry, hey, hi. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And, he, and I was like, I think those are my groceries. And he was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry, I thought they were mine, I ordered. And so we get in the elevator, and I was like, God, what a jerk. And uh, my son started repeating that. He was like, he'd go, I have a recording of it. He's, he'd go like, what a jerk, what a jerk. <laughs> um, I got into the van the next morning to get picked up to go to work and that guy was my co-star <laughs> <laughs> so that was a really fun introduction to Ross Sutherland yeah playing my husband I was like oh you're the guy you're the jerk who tried to steal my groceries even though you saw it was all mac and cheese and like juice boxes and obviously kid food <laughs> maybe that's what he was eating too <laughs> you know, he was like sweet yeah <laughs> string cheese awesome I love polio well, that's, you know, it's a good icebreaker, you know, to it catch someone almost stealing your groceries. What uh, a jerk. <laughs> uh, well, you, now you mentioned about wanting to, to direct. Uh, are there, you know, what, what do you see going forward? Like, you know, I mean, your kids are going to start school and, you know, that's probably going to change your life drastically i'm i don't have to say probably it's going to change your life drastically uh because they are a lot less portable once they start uh right yeah right Um, no i know i think about that yeah but i mean but where where do you see uh i mean where would you like to go from here i mean would you like to kind of really focus on directing and maybe get out of in front of the camera yeah, so I've been working on, I adapted a book called Wish You Were Here that I'm very close to getting set up. We have uh, two of our leads cast. We have like two thirds of our budget raised. So either I have to cut my budget or I have to raise more money. Yeah. But um, a, a production company that I worked with um, on a movie called The God Committee is producing it with me. So we're very, very close. Um, but it feels silly to talk about it until you actually do it. Sure, of course. Yeah, no, I never believe anything until... They send a car to pick me up. Uh, Right. Until you're on the plane. Right, right. Exactly. Um, Well, now, uh, wrapping up, first of all, thank you for spending the time with me. I know it's a busy day. Um, What do you think, what lesson, if you could say like one big lesson that you've learned, or, you know, if you've got a couple that you want to share, um, what would you want people to take away from sort of your experience? That the drop the the little pop up window for Dropbox, like the file that I'm going to have to send you guys after this interview is over, stresses me out so much. Um, <laughs> there's a reason we hire. There's a reason we hire technicians. 
I understand. Um, I'm, I, my job is to memorize my lines and deliver them believably in an on-time fashion. Uh, I, the techie stuff is stresses me out. But oh no, what do I want? Pe- what, what do I want people to take away from our talk? Or, or no, from your life? From you know, from my life? Yeah, from your story. Oh my god. Um, I know it's a simple just, little question. That's a big. That's a big question. That's a big question. I. Wow. What do other people say? Like I. I guess a, a lot of my career has been trial and error. I've been learning yeah. as I go. So I feel like my more recent work is maybe, hopefully, better. And uh, I don't know. I think I'm. I'm. I. I don't know. We're talking. We're talking. I don't know where to even begin. My life, my work. What? <laughs> I did the best that I could. I did the yeah. best that I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, like say, what I say, had. say it in in terms of advice. Somebody wants to do what you've done with your life, whether it's whether it's be in show business, be an actress, be a mother. You know, uh, be someone that you know. Uh, a, a woman that worked and and had a career and traveled the world, you know, like what advice would you give them? I mean, a few things. I think I would say for an actor to be able to separate their, for lack of a better word, brand or their personality from the work that they do on screen, I think is really important or it's the kind of thing that I value. I think, um, Trying to like stay authentic to my own voice is important. Um, and then I'd also say like nobody should be quoted in print before they turn 30. <laughs> and I learned that lesson. Thank God I haven't been canceled or anything, but I feel like I, I uh, not canceled. I, I would never say anything that's worth it. But right, right, don't right. Come for me. Don't come for me. No, <laughs> I, uh, I, no, I just think that I learned, I learned like, how at 20 years old are you supposed to know like when somebody is interviewing you that what you can say can be taken out of context or that you're so eager to please that you're saying things that you think are going to make someone laugh, but you don't actually really believe yourself. So I think um, maintaining a good like center is a challenge and something that is also really important and will serve you well. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Watch what you say when you're young is always good advice. (laughs) Well, So you're just forming your own, opinion and identities like yeah yeah well thanks again uh for spending time with me and uh and uh everybody go and check out the new orphan prequel what's what's the full title again i'm sorry i, I had it written Orf- down but orphan fu- orphan colon first kill um and also the lake on amazon prime and the lake one, on one, amazon- if you want to laugh go go to amazon prime if you want to be scared go to paramount plus and <laughs> Watch Orphan First Kill. And check out Orphan, Orphan Colon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> orphan, semicolon, first kill. Is it a semicolon? I think no, it's no, a it's a colon. It's a full-on yeah. colon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Julia. And uh, thank all of you out there for listening. And I'll be back next week uh, with more of this. I've got a big, big love. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. 
The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review the three questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 